contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. And then we appear magically. Except not really Hi. magically. We are we are anti-Satanism <laughs> on this on this show. <laughs> Welcome to Once for All Delivered. We are pre-recording this episode because uh, I'm going to be gone tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night, and uh, I'm actually going to leave town and do fun things. I don't do that very often because that's really <laughs> not my scene. I prefer uh, homebound and non-fun things, but. I'm Andrew Smith. Uh, this is a podcast that we do about theology and culture and stuff, and I'm joined as usual by the man, the myth, the legend. Caleb Castro, except I am uh, not a myth. I am concrete, objective reality, uh, or from my perspective, subjective, I suppose. And... Uh, yeah, I don't buy. I'm it. also not a legend, um, by any means, but uh, I can affirm uh, I am a man, or at least a a boy. What is a man? I uh, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not an an expert. I'm not a biologist. What is man that you are mindful of him? We say to our Lord. Yes, <laughs> to our Lord. <laughs> not in this context. Correct. Those are very different discussions, um, which are both very different from the discussion we're actually going to have tonight. You know, it's a big week. We've got uh, SBC annual meeting, PCA General Assembly, OPC General Assembly just wrapped up. And so we're going to talk about absolutely none of that. We're going to talk about a topic that nobody's talking about, which is rare because usually somebody's talking about it. Uh, So I guess we'll get the ball rolling this time. Um, This actually is a topic that stemmed out of our episode on artificial intelligence from a few weeks ago. It's not too directly related. It's not like if you didn't hear that, you're going to be lost. Although if you didn't hear it, you should anyway, just because it's us and we need you to listen to us or there's no reason (laughs) to do this. Um, But actually, there was one very brief story that we covered in the artificial intelligence episode that has given way to a much larger uh, topic that we'd like to look at. So you might remember from that episode, uh, we had a story about a man in Belgium who committed suicide after, I believe it was like a six-week-long conversation with an AI chatbot that basically convinced him that because of the danger of climate change and what he as a human was contributing to it, that he should just go ahead and commit suicide. And so he did. Uh, so that's relevant, obviously, to the artificial intelligence discussion, but it also brings up uh, just how far we've gone, uh, just how far society has gone on the issue of climate change. And uh, so we decided, uh, let's do a deep dive on climate change and talk about it. And so... Uh, first we should probably just, uh, as much as we can, uh, because we're not biologists, uh, go over the issue of climate change. So essentially 
this whole idea, well, it used to be referred to in the common vernacular as global warming because it seemed that it was all moving in one direction. The globe is getting hotter, the temperatures are going up, and that's going to kill us all. Um, attributable to the buildup of carbon dioxide, CO2 in the atmosphere that uh, fuel the greenhouse effect, makes temperatures rise, makes uh, ice caps melt, makes oceans rise, makes... Did I say oceans rise already? Doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, anyway, uh, going to cause desiccation, loss of farmland, things like that, all these horrible things uh, because the earth is heating up. They had to change it to climate change because it's not always moving that one direction, which is kind of fascinating when you think about it. Um so that's the issue very broadly. As far as who cares, well, it seems that lots of people care, uh, especially in the in governments, in the scientific community, in elite society. This has essentially become a major, major issue, an issue around which uh, any kind of development, any kind of planning, uh, both, you know... Uh, governmentally and beyond that has been subject to having to think about climate and impacts on climate and so it's essentially just become this massive issue yeah and actually uh perhaps reflective of that um i think while climate the term climate change is generally still the uh pop terminology i guess that it, that these matters are known by um you know I, I remember hearing more and more um throughout the media especially uh the past two years or three years the phrase uh climate crisis and that that itself i think also uh sums up everything you just said uh so climate crisis is is the big uh you know the bogeyman of today um and i mean it, it's it's tends to, uh, I'm sure as many of our listeners know, especially if you're in, you're in America, it tends to be, a, uh, sorry, the United States uh, especially, it tends to be uh, the, you know, big, one of the big platform items for a, uh, a good candidate, though it's not a strong enough uh, platform for a, you know, uh, a third party like uh, we have the, uh, what is it, the Green Party. That's basically the bulk of their platform. Uh, it alone is not the biggest priority. It, it's kind of a kind of a, you know, a side thought to uh, you know, just a way to get, uh, get uh, more votes. Um, and I think this shows in that oftentimes in, in the United States, a lot of uh, a lot of buzz can be made here and there about uh you know how do we handle this climate crisis um when you know we have a presidential candidate um debating uh that tends to be a common topic uh that's asked but uh, the actual road or commitment um to affecting plans or legislation um, uh, with respect to climate crisis, uh, it's, it's pretty quickly abandoned. Um, so, I mean, uh, one of uh, our president, uh, Joe Biden's, you know, big platforms was the Green New Deal, uh, you know, this unwavering commitment. Um, but uh, he didn't so, I mean, particularly endorse the Green New Deal, but he kind of 
He kind of waffled on it a bit. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. But there's that. I think in a way we could say like I mean that that's kind of how the games usually played at the at the uh, you know level of the presidential elections at federal level. Yeah. Um, you may see stronger commitments here by individual states in the United States itself, but uh, um, especially with California. But uh, so all that to say is just that. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a big enough issue uh, in the eyes of in the eyes of the the, the government to warrant um, you know it being a platform. Um, but what 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 should perhaps be stated from the outset uh, more of what uh, Andrew was getting at there is of the why should we really care about this? You know, we're, we're uh, as you see in the episode title. Uh, you know, we've gone with the uh, thanks to Andrew's fancy uh, alliteration skills, alliterative skills. Uh, climate if you've change. You've ever heard one of my sermons? You know how I am about alliteration. Alliterative points almost every time. Almost every time. So he's 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 applying uh, that those skills to the service of uh, you know uh, hopefully clickbait. Uh, for people to be interested in this episode titled Climate Change, Conservation, or Cult. Uh, and so that really sums up the matter here. Um, we we need to make a, a proper distinction in that uh, we, we can make a case for Christians being uh, in, in a right way interested in, in conservation of resources. We'll qualify that as we go. Um, so in other words, we want to be responsible with... Uh, with uh, stewarding the things that God has made and, and gives us for our use. Um, that, though, whether it comes from the uh, whether whether in the eyes of an unbeliever or in the minds of certain uh, Christian groups, Christian denominations, uh, oftentimes there can become a conflation of nature with God. Uh, and the result is that nature is worshipped as God. Nature, uh, nature and creation is um, uh, creates a, or I shouldn't say that nature does this, but people form a cult around nature, a virtual uh, or pragmatical religion. Uh, so we need to make a real, real distinction of you know, uh, there is an actual charge to care for things of this world, um, but let's not uh, be idolaters about it. So with that, uh, we have our first actual point in here. Uh, we want to look at just what does Scripture uh, say? And what does uh, then also uh, perhaps a, a point to just a couple confessional um, relations here. But what does Scripture say about these things? Uh we have first uh, Genesis 1. Andrew, do you have uh, some comments on that one? Yeah, Genesis 1. I mean, God created the world. He created it as he did. He separated light from dark. Uh, well, even more fundamentally, sun. Uh, he said he made the sun. He made the moon. Separated light from dark. Separated the sea from the dry land. Uh, made all of these divisions. Uh, created the life that populated the earth, animals, plants, all such things. And then uh, the crowning achievement of that on the sixth day was the creation of man. Now, God created the world, and it occurs six times throughout the creation account of Genesis 1, uh, that it is all good, or it is all very good. 
Um, God created this world good. He created it orderly. He created it in a way that was functional and makes sense. Um, but also when he created the world, particularly he created man, uh, he gave mankind dominion over the creatures. Uh, we see this in Genesis one twenty six and following. Uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Um this is the dominion mandate. It's given at creation. It continues after the fall. It's restated. It's re-given to Noah, for instance, in Genesis chapter 9. It's given, uh, or we see it uh, described in other texts, like Psalm 8, for instance, which I've already alluded to once in this episode. Uh, when it talks about uh, man being created just a little lower than angels, being crowned with glory and honor, having dominion. Uh, so this dominion over the earth is something we have, um, but also this is within uh, God's creation and God's rule over creation. Yeah, and that, uh, and uh, we'll actually go more, a little bit more into that in a sense here uh, in in a moment from a uh, from a comment of a from a commentary. Um, but continuing on uh, with you know man falling into sin. Uh, we, 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 you know, we consider that this, uh, this pronouncement, uh, that God says it is good, uh, over these various, uh, orders, uh, spheres of creation, um, that's, that pronouncement of good is not, uh, that is pleasing to him is not revoked, uh, with the fall into sin. Um, and we have to understand that, uh, sin is not something inherent to nature, um, you know, sin is something foreign, something that's that's uh, latched on to nature as a parasite, if, if you will, to use a. So it's it's something that will ultimately be expunged, it'll be purged um, in the renewal of all things uh, on the consummation. But this is to say that uh, the bad things that happen in nature, or be, just because the world has fallen, doesn't mean that God no longer cares about this world about creation. Uh, God still has uh, purposes for creation um, and man is still uh, able to exercise uh, the remnants of his, his uh, dominion to the glory of God or not uh, to the glory of God in Christ. But first Timothy um, chapter four, verse four and five says for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected. If it is received with Thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So uh, ultimately there, there is still purpose uh, in created things is what we want to get at. Um, now just kind of a continuing on with that. Uh, I think what's, what's most helpful of what we're driving at and what we need to understand for uh proper conservation um, and stewardship of, of the Lord's world. Uh, Calvin helps us quite a lot in his commentary on Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, you want to read that quote there for us, Andrew? Sure. So Calvin writes, The custody of the garden was given in charge of Adam to show that we possess the things which God has committed to our hands, on the condition that being content with a frugal and moderate use of them, 
we should take care of what shall remain. And then he continues later. Moreover, that this economy and this diligence with respect to those good things which God has given us to enjoy may flourish among us. Let everyone regard himself as the steward of God in all things which he possesses. Then he will neither conduct himself dissolutely nor corrupt by abuse those things which God requires to be preserved. So what a fancy slide there. So, I mean, that's, I think you got to watch these videos if you're not watching videos. That's right. We have all this tech skill now, or Andrew does at least. Yeah. Uh, so so much yeah. so that I have to buy a new computer to accommodate it all. <laughs> it's true. And remember, this kind of stuff comes out of our pocket. Uh, yeah. Or we should so, say out of Andrew's consider pocket. Consider a paid subscription to support us. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, yeah, a couple things there. Uh, so we're, we're seeing uh, that from the beginning, uh, Andrew is basically uh, – Andrew, wow. Well, I suppose maybe Andrew, but um, – I wish I was that good. But – Adam himself uh, is basically uh, talking about Calvin. Nah, I don't want, I don't want to be <laughs> like Adam, but I am. But you are accepting Christ, right? So Adam Ooh, is. Uh, <laughs> so Adam is uh, is basically made. Uh, we could just say a district manager. Uh, we, we've spoken about this a little bit before in terms of the image of God, but on uh, a prior episode, but. Adam is basically made a uh, district manager, a regional manner of sorts, overseeing um, as God's deputy, um, authorized uh, that he's authorized to oversee the world and to manage its resources, to be frugal and moderate in, in the use of these things, to care and maintain for the world. Uh, and yet man falls. And Calvin continues on with uh, uh, with this, uh, with a comment on on making a distinction um, that, you know, with the fall, there are some changes to things, but uh, there is still the basic mandate that continues. Uh, I don't know. Do we have a, we don't have a slide for this one, right? Nope. Okay. I'll, I'll just read this quote then. So um, Calvin says post fall. Uh, actually, sorry. So post fall, uh, Calvin believes that dominion continues, um, but man's exercise of that dominion is drastically reduced. So God sustains the world by his providence and uses man in the general restoration of things. So, so God incorporates man into his, uh, his plan by virtue of Christ um, uh, in uh, the overall restoration plan. This isn't to say that we transform things uh, into the kingdom of, of heaven. We'll get there later. But God sustains the world by his providence. Animals are, are, are now violent, and yet God restrains animals from unleashing their full uh, 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 ferocious nature upon man. Um, so man, uh, animals aren't just always going around at first sight ripping and shredding man to pieces. Um, God is though also uh, continuously involved in, by the power of his sovereignty in sustaining, maintaining, and guiding um, this world, uh, being actively involved in it. He, he, he's involved in the, the guiding of their elements. He's maintaining the seasons, uh, even when, say, we have a drier or hotter season uh, than than normal. God is still nonetheless 
preserving this world for man. Um, so he hasn't, he hasn't uh, abandoned it. Um, uh, I have a, just a couple confessional notes on this. Um, but then if uh, Andrew wants to read uh, just a couple passages here that, that further this, but th- this is, and th- this is going to foreshadow ultimately where we're going. Um, so the, the Belgian confession, uh, it, it, it I'm just actually going to refer to a couple lines in Article 13 of the Belgian Confession. This is concerning the providence of God and his government of all things. So here, the Belgian Confession says, We believe that the same good God, after he had created all things, did not forsake them or give them up to fortune or chance, but that... He rules and governs them according to his holy will so that nothing happens in this world without his appointment. And we're careful to note in Article 13 uh, that shift to the present tense uh, use of, of, of the verbs there. He created, but then he, he is ruling and governing according to his holy will. Uh, so there is nothing even post fall that is by chance. Um Further on, Article 13 says, this doctrine of providence gives us unspeakable consolation. Why? Well, because this is a fallen world. Um, this world itself is not a control. It can't kill us without God's okay. So this doctrine affords unspeakable consolation since we are taught thereby that nothing can befall us by chance, but by the direction of our most gracious and heavenly father who watches over us with a paternal care, keeping all creatures so under his power that not a hair of our head, for they are all numbered, nor a sparrow can fall to the ground without the will of our Father, which we consider when climate crisis advocates, uh, you know, are saying, uh, you know, that there is a, uh, basically an impending apocalypse, all the animals are going to go extinct. Well, the confession says not a sparrow can fall from, uh, to the ground without the will of our father inciting Matthew 10, 29 to 30. Uh, at the end of this, the article makes a, a statement of rejection stating we reject the damnable error of the Epicureans and the Epicureans are summed up as all those who say that God regards nothing but leaves all things to chance. So we'll revisit that a bit later uh towards the end of this but uh so let, let's foreshadow that uh what we're just saying here god continues to maintain the world he uses man to steward the world but there is no chance there's no randomness anyone who thinks that the earth's gonna just you know rise up and kill us uh is speaking damnable heresy um as though they are an epicurean and in fact this is said explicitly, for instance, uh, the end of Genesis chapter 8 and getting into chapter 9. So this is in God's covenant to Noah, chapter 8, starting in verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. And then uh, God goes on into chapter 9. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, and this is where we get the restatement of the dominion mandate, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth 
And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish over the sea. Um, and it goes on to uh, talk more about the dominion over the creatures, over plants, prescribing the death penalty for murder. But again, this continuance of dominion, but in the context of the world that God is going to uphold and preserve by his hand of providence. And this includes the seasons. Now, this is not to say that uh, the climate is always the same. The seasons are always the same. They obviously change. They always have changed. Uh, while the earth is in a certain sense stable, it is also in a certain sense, it's dynamic, it's changing. Um, you know, certain areas change. Uh, human migration sometimes has to occur uh, because some areas become newly habitable while other areas become uninhabitable. Uh, things of that sort. But in general, this order of the earth, including regulation of the seasons and such, is going to continue. So uh, it really does kind of uh, shut down uh, this alarmism where it begins. God is in control of these things. We are not. And the... Uh... And that and that's a huge thing. So I mean, note note kind of like I mean the, the the flow of how we're structuring this in the first place. We state the Genesis good creation uh, mandate fall, um, and yet things continue in their operation under the uh, sovereign hand of God, uh, and God incorporates man. Uh, so post fall, the Lord is still tending to the earth. In other words. Uh, with the flood, God reaffirms he's still going to continue uh, in his um, in his governance over the earth, no matter what's occurring, no matter even then the extent of man's wickedness, uh, such as before the flood occurred, such great wickedness. And yet the Lord preserve will preserve his creation. Um, this gets reiterated Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 24, four to six, the earth mourns and withers the world languages and, and wither, uh, I said reiterates, but, uh, it's meant to draw a contrast here. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched and few men are left. So whatever we see going on with the world, uh, whether a bunch of hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, dry, um, uh, um, what do you call them? Uh, uh, <laughs> whether famines or whether droughts, um, droughts uh, you know, even pestilence and war itself. So from natural things to uh, to uh, the things that manifests. All these things will continue on until the Lord returns, until the Lord uh, ends this present evil age, and that the curse that's been shattered or uh, by, by Jesus Christ's work on the cross is fully um, uh, put to its put to its uh, ineffectuality until the curse itself is entirely purified. Um, right. Uh, until until what Adam did has been undone, as it's done completely in the end. Um, we do live under a world that, while it remains good and while it remains orderly to a certain sense, it is cursed. So there is sort of this tension. Um, there is, uh, you know, there is the good with the bad. Yeah, we have 
seasons and we have the ability to take dominion over the earth, but it's also hindered by natural disasters, by um, calamities, uh, by the ways in which uh, our work is made more difficult in the curse to Adam at the fall. Uh, childbearing is more difficult. There's disease. There's death, obviously. Um, yeah, there's kind of this paradox. There's kind of this, uh, you know, there's the good and the bad of it both. So what, what, we've, what we've seen then, um, we're talking about God's purposes for nature. But then now let's talk about uh, legitimate conservation and stewardship. Uh, I think like at times because there's these these climate crisis, um, I don't know, what do we want to call them? Uh, these climate warriors, alarmists, these alarmists, uh, whatever they are, these cultists. Maybe we'll just call them cultists, climate cultists. We'll, um, we'll make the case for being a cult a little later. Sure, and and by that we mean simply like like worshippers, yeah, uh, not merely like oh these are you know whatever. Anyways, uh, so it's like not like we're just saying like as an offhand term. Uh, so oftentimes I think. Um, confessional uh, traditional orthodox believers can get scared off of any language of you know uh caring for creation maybe no one will really deny hey we're supposed to care for creation um but we just don't want to get into the mode of sounding too much like the liberals um so again uh, calvin uh the, those those comments we had read earlier help us um in that his, his primary interest is in speaking about ecological conservation or creation care, his primary interest of why we should care for creation is, is ultimately as a show of gratitude and thanks to God for his sovereign preservation of life. And so that's, that's it. Bottom line, we be careful with the resources uh, in this, uh, that God has given us in this world. We shouldn't waste things. Um, we don't want to, we, we, we don't want to get into, um, you know, gluttonous or greedy, uh, self-deserving, uh, postures about, uh, what God has given us. Like we, that we, we don't want to take things for granted. Um, case in point, James chapter five, the first six verses there, I, I won't really go through the, the, the bulk of the context itself, but, uh, just a note from here. James writes, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned the murdered, or condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Um, just two notes on, on the, the, this, this verse, uh, verse two of chapter five. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Uh, James's language in speaking of riches have rotted uh, refers to food. Um, basically, uh, these rich land and farm owners are uh, going in. Uh, storing so much of what they have sown, um, they're 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 hoarding their produce and food to the point where it's just 
laying around in uh, in large barns, warehouses, storehouses, whatever. They don't they, they can't even sell it all off. Uh, it just kind of sits there and it rots. They have such, uh, so much clothing that it they it does it doesn't matter if they take no prevention for you know moths and other little bugs and stuff eating them up. Um, they can just throw out their clothes, wear new ones. Okay, um, so it's, I it's think not you, a, yeah. mm-hmm. I think you see this even in our day. I mean, you see a lot of. Uh, this could be a bit of a controversial statement, but you like see how the older generations are kind of hoarding a lot of the wealth, keeping it from the younger generations who are, you know, struggling to be able to have homes, have families, that kind of thing. Maybe that's another, uh, it's another way, another issue we can deal with at another time. But I mean, we definitely see these things, you know, and a lot of this too comes into, uh, discussions because this is a politically charged issue of like, you know, capitalism versus socialism. And it tends to be the people that mm-hmm. favor socialism that are pressing hardest against or pushing hardest for, you know, climate policy and things like that. And it's generally the people for capitalism that oppose it. Um, and I think capitalism, I mean, it's, it's generally done a lot of good, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's not in itself all sufficient to, uh, govern the world or to restrain the depravity of man or or things of that sort it's abused like all things yeah yeah too, too too much of a good thing becomes a problem right it's uh you know so we're not we're not getting soft and, and live on you here um we're, we're stating yep, like I'm you not, know i'm not a marxist right it's we, we all, all do the it. marx books i have i got from caleb but yeah. <laughs> those are those so are, wonder about him he's also fidel castro's son that's true those are those are polemical but uh, not sources. That one. <laughs> those are polemical sources you need to know what you're refuting uh the um yes i mean we, we all do it uh we you know we have the lord is blessed let's just say me and andrew or something uh, maybe some of you listeners to, uh, you know, with means to be able to go out and buy some food, fast food or something um, or go to a restaurant. You get some leftovers, you bring it home and uh, it just kind of sits there. You throw it away um, like you throw away half of a, of a, you know, a macho burrito or something. I don't know. All right. It, it It's that that wasn't a good use of money. If that if we didn't, you know, go and finish up those leftovers, it. You know, we, we uh, you know, we, we could say we know the argument. There are people that are hungry in the world. Yeah. We want to we want to make sure we're not just throwing out things. Uh, we also, I mean, don't need to be gluttons either. You know, we do have epidemic level obesity in this country and yeah. other developed nations as well. Oh, yeah. It's so we, we we can continue on with these kind of things of, uh, you know, uh, you you overfish in an area and you deplete the fish in that spot. What happens? You know, um, uh, it, it's I mean, you, you you can end up with uh, shortages on on, uh, you know, on, on sources that like we eat, like say that, that that had occurred with cod for a while, if I if I recall right, uh, out in the Atlantic. I think so. But uh, anyways, it, it's it's. You know, I, I think we've made the point there. Um, or even like, you know, yeah, if you hunt and fish, why are there limits? Why do you have to be licensed? Right. It's not like it's just, oh, the government's here to take away our freedoms and take away 
our access to animals and stuff. No, they actually like study and they determine, mm-hmm. okay, this is how many of these animals live here. You know, this is how many we can afford to to kill off before mm-hmm. it starts to adversely impact the herd. This is how many we need to kill off because there's too yep. many. Um, and actually, well, that's a that's a great that's that that is an excellent example uh, also for the reverse as we get ready to look at uh, the cult uh, the climate cult because I, I remember a couple years ago so so you're, you're talking about the nece- the real actual like necessity of how many animals uh, uh, need to be killed off in a certain area where they're doing damage uh i used to live in that bastion of of uh you know conservative uh republicanism uh the state of oregon uh, specifically in the city of portland oregon and uh my wife and i went out on a, on a trip to eastern oregon uh which is you know um so were you talking small towns i mean yeah towns like what uh uh you know size of 50 20 people whatever so yeah, they're spread out through there. Um, we, we were uh, we we're at this uh, in this one small town where we heard, uh, you know, this one law that was uh, passed out in in, you know, all the cities on the, the west side of the state, you know, uh, making it illegal to kill mountain lions and such. Well, this little this this little small town, you know, they, they have uh, farms spread out. They have their chickens, their sheep. Uh, they used to see about, you know, maybe one mountain lion uh, per month before that law was passed. After the law was passed, they started seeing up to five, six mountain lions. They would get more and more attacks. Um, I know some areas actually saw up to 10 mountain lions a month or had 10 mountain lion sightings per month. You know, so they, they started they started growing. They became emboldened and they started killing uh people's chickens, livestock, and soon enough, they would kill people. Um, so, I mean, it's just, just an example of what can happen when things spiral out of control like that. Um, similar, I mean, yeah. yeah. A similar situation happened in my home state of Wyoming when they reintroduced the wolves into Yellowstone yeah, National right. Park. Um, <laughs> you know, initially put back, they used to be native to the area. They largely got wiped out. They brought more down from Canada to repopulate. <laughs> The federal government, far away in Washington, who had no real skin in the game, uh, made them illegal even to hunt, like if they're on your property killing mm-hmm. your livestock. So they've done untold amounts of, of economic damage, killing cattle, killing sheep, um, spreading all kinds of issues. Um, and even now, it's still, uh, I believe in most cases, illegal to hunt them. Uh, so, you know, they're mm-hmm. just allowed to produce uncontrolled. And yeah, they hurt animals. They hurt people. Uh, and there's really nothing to be done about it. So, uh, so that's another part of, of, uh, being good stewards of, uh, this fallen world. Right. It's, it's, it's not only, yeah, being careful, careful with our resources, but in the same way, curbing where our resources, or rather we should even say the resources God has given us where they may be endangered or even where lives are endangered. Yeah. Or where, you know, a certain species needs to be reduced or cold or something like that this is all part of legitimate uses of the dominion mandate that god has given us he's given us uh, this ability to rule over creation in these ways yeah tame it well so what about this this claim or these statements we've we've made now of the climate cult well that's where we're gonna have to take a break and come back next time that is true
because of our, our our old friend Luke Schmelzer just uh, tweeted we've been making episodes the length of Tolkien uh, movies or something like that. Uh, yes. Uh, so Luke, we hear you. And so we're going to take a break here and we'll come back and do another installment on this climate thing. Next time. Next time. Uh, so in the meanwhile, while you're waiting for that, you can, uh, if you have any questions, you have any complaints, well, probably on this, you should probably wait till we do part two. But if That's you really right. can't wait, you can email us. You can contact us on social media at OFAD Podcast, uh, most places, or email us OFAD Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, uh, consider a paid subscription at our website, onceforalldelivered.com. Subscribe on YouTube, see the videos because they look oh so great, um, as much as anything with our mugs in it can. And uh, yeah. So, help fund Andrew's uh, new uh, desktop. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying this is the only thing I'm going to use it for, but. That's true. I am going to use it for this. We do use it at least weekly for six hours. Six hours? It feels <laughs> like it sometimes. That's right. Hit it, Heidi. Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.